Galatians chapter number 3, Galatians chapter number 3, look at the first five verses with me if you will, Galatians chapter number 3, the book of Galatians, theme of the book of Galatians is the gospel is at stake, and with that Paul writes in a very stern way, Um, he's very aggressive in his words to the churches of Galatia, multiple churches that are Uh, facing an attack on doctrine, particularly the doctrine of salvation. And uh, we get to chapter number 3, and it seems as though those words become even more intense as we begin chapter 3, and he starts out with, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? idea there is that somebody cast a spell on them, that they're deceived, that somebody's got control of their mind. It says that you should not obey the truth, It wasn't a matter of intellectual stupidity. It was a matter of obedience that had changed. Uh, Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Notice the next statement is in the form of a question. It's a rhetorical question with an obvious answer. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish? Again, strong words by Paul. Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? As we look at Galatians chapter 3, Paul will speak the truth that faith without works is how a man is justified. That's the doctrine that's at stake. We could say it this way, faith without any supplements. Some of you have homeschooled over the years. Caprice, remember homeschool? It wasn't that long ago. You homeschool and usually you get a curriculum. Uh, sometimes you don't get a curriculum, you just piecemeal, but many get a curriculum. But then they find something is lacking somewhere in the curriculum or the curriculum doesn't have a special course that they want to have. And so you have a supplement. One of the supplements that we used in our curriculum was Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace Course for our kids in high school. Uh, That wasn't in any curriculum that we were using, but it was a tremendous supplement to teach our kids about finances. And so we brought a supplement alongside. Uh, Some of you probably take supplements like I do. I take a fiber supplement. I take a men's vitamin with all kinds of different vitamins in it. You know what we're talking about when we're talking about supplements. Here, Paul is preaching and trying to solidify the churches, churches like ours, in the doctrine of justification by faith without any supplements. Like, we don't need to add anything else to this great teaching in the Scriptures. Um, It's a present problem. Uh, Someone said of Galatians 3, 29 verses, and Galatians 4, if you look at Galatians chapter 4, 31 verses, that these 60 verses make up some of the strongest words that Paul ever penned. As he writes to these churches, he's direct, he's confrontational, he's sharp. Oh, foolish Galatians, 
who hath bewitched you. Um, he says in verse number 3, Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Or in other words, boy, you started salvation in the Spirit. The Spirit of God accomplished that work. He moved in to live inside of you. You think you're going to go to a higher plane than by reverting back to fleshly living? You think that that's going to take you to a higher plane spiritually? Um, in Galatians 1 and 2, Paul defends his apostleship and defends his message. In chapters 3 and 4, he defends justification by faith. We don't have time to read all the verses tonight in chapter 3, but if you look through verses 1 through 18, you'll find these key words, and they make up Paul's argument for this great doctrine. You'll find the word law. Uh, works of the law contrasted with the hearing of faith. You'll find the word promise, particularly in verses 14 through 18, an unbelievable truth that I may get to tonight. If I don't, we'll get to it next week. But how the Old Testament and God's promise to Abraham had Gentiles in mind hundreds of years into the future. God had us in mind when He made a covenant with Abraham, and I'll explain that. We find the word curse used, particularly in verses 10 and 13. And another argument that Paul brings before us. We find the word spirit used in verses 2 through 5, the, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, another argument. We find Abraham referred to over and over in verses 6 through 14 to illustrate the importance of faith. And we find all nations shall be blessed in verse number 8, pointing to the fact that from very early God had all nations in mind to be able to have justification by faith. You say, preacher, this doesn't sound too practical, right? Well, this particular study of faith versus law, part one tonight, and we'll go into it a little deeper next week, it should solidify your belief in a no-works salvation. In fact, it should drive about a hundred nails in that coffin um, that, you know what, I can never be convinced that works are necessary for salvation. But it should also equip you to help somebody from a religion that believes in works to be able to take them to Galatians 3 and be able to lay out a number of different arguments that says, you can't mix these two. Faith and works. They don't go together. They're oil and water, uh, particularly if you're dealing with a Jew. This is written to Jewish believers, Gentile believers, that are reverting back to a law system. And there's tremendous truth here uh, to be mined out. So what are the arguments for this doctrinal truth that we believe that justification is by faith only. What are the arguments that Paul lays out? Number one, he lays out the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. If you look at verse number five, or verse number one, he says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before those I, whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you, this only what I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He only gives two answers to that question, and there's an obvious answer to that question. He's talking about their personal experience here. He's talking about the fact that when he came through, 
He put Christ before them. Evidently set forth there means he put on a poster board. He publicly displayed Christ to them. And they received Christ. And when you receive Christ, what do you get biblically? But you get the Holy Spirit of God. And they got the Holy Spirit of God. And he's asking them, as you look back on your salvation, and you heard about the work of Christ, that it's complete, that it's full, that it's once for all, that it's faith alone in the finished work of Christ, did you get the Spirit by the hearing of faith? Or did you get it by the works of the law? The answer to that question is we got it, every person gets it, by faith. Romans chapter 8 verse number 9 says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If you don't have the Spirit of God in you, according to Romans 8, you're not part of God's family. The Spirit of Christ the Spirit of God moves in at the point of salvation. You have to understand the Spirit of God in your life doesn't come and go. But when you receive the indwelling of the Spirit, you have a companion with you as a believer for the rest of your life. Now, you can grieve Him. You can quench Him. But He has a ministry, many ministries in your life. He guides into all truth. We learn that in 1 John. We also learn it in John 14. He convicts, the Bible says. He reproves of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. We also understand He comforts. We also understand that uh, He reproves us of sin. There's a number of things that the Spirit of God does in our lives. But if you don't have the Spirit, you don't receive any ministry of the Holy Spirit except the ministry of conviction of sin for you to come to Christ and drawing you to God, which He will work in the life of an unbeliever. So, the Spirit of God's in them. How did you get that Spirit of God? Is what He asked these believers. Turn over in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. How do we get the Spirit of God? Is it by the works of the law? Is there a certain kind of work that I can do that the Spirit all of a sudden comes upon me? Um, is there a number of works that I can do that if I do this much, then I get the Spirit? Uh, you understand the reasoning of that logic has no assurance to it, whatever, whatsoever. And so in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, the Bible says, "...in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth." the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed. Now up to that point in Ephesians chapter 1, could you help me discern, is that describing the hearing of faith or the works of the law? Ephesians 1 verse 13, you're looking at the same words that I am. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed. Is that works of law? Do you smell works of law there? Or do you smell hearing of faith? Okay, hearing, hearing and of faith. Now, read on in verse 13. Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. That came to the believers at Ephesus after they heard and they put their faith in that gospel message. And by the way, it happens for everybody the same way. After they hear, they're sealed with the Spirit of promise. That's important phraseology because what it actually means is this. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God sends you a guaranteed down payment. 
that He's going to take you to glory forever. The down payment is the Holy Spirit in your life. But my friend, that doesn't come from a mix of faith and works. That comes from hearing and faith. We see that in the Scriptures. Paul's first argument, look at your experience. You have the Spirit. How'd you get the Spirit? You got the Spirit by faith. Second, second argument that he brings before us is the primacy of faith. Look at verse number 6, and this is as far as we'll get tonight. Not only do we see uh, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit as an argument for justification by faith, but we see the primacy of faith. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Question. Was he justified because of his works here? Answer, no. Righteousness runs parallel with your word justified or just in the Scripture. And so he was accounted righteousness or he was accounted justification based upon what? Based upon belief. Based upon faith. Were his works perfect that he could gain justification and righteousness before God? Answer, nope. Abraham was a sinner just like you and I are sinners. And so here he brings us to another argument and to the churches of Galatia. Um, And I want you to turn over to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. Stick with me. Hey, you're wearing Galatians. Trust me, the last three chapters are going to get a little bit more practical, especially chapters 5 and 6. But we are in theological, uh, we're in deep theological discussions here by Paul. So he's using logic and biblical reasoning, and you've got to think with me. Don't lose me tonight, all right? We're in Genesis chapter 15. Background to Genesis chapter 15 is Abraham has encountered the kings of the east in his rescue of his nephew Lot. He refused to accept any money from the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. We have in Genesis chapter 15, on the early part of Abraham's life now, the earlier part, we have the word of the Lord coming unto him. We read it in verse number 1, After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And notice in verse number 3, And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, no children. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now get this, little nugget in the message tonight. What did Abraham believe? Abraham believed what God said about the miracle son. I'm going to give you Isaac. It's going to be a miracle. Hmm. What do we have to believe that God says? We have to believe in the miracle son. That's Jesus Christ. Who came, died, lived a sinless life, died, was buried, and rose again. And when a person puts their faith in the miracle son of Jesus Christ... It is accounted, it is deposited into his account, righteousness. 
because righteousness is deposited in a believer's account, he can be declared righteous and innocent by God. That's justification. And this was Abraham's testimony. By the way, it's not the only place Abraham's testimony. By the way, I want you to understand that it was counted to him for righteousness early in his life. He wasn't circumcised till later in his life. So this Jewish argument that you need to be circumcised, you need to do it the Jewish way in order to have full salvation. When they looked at their father Abraham, it wasn't true. Faith brought righteousness, not circumcision. That's important. Um, Romans chapter 4 is a parallel passage. He was strong in faith. He was fully persuaded. My friend, when somebody comes to Christ, they need to be strong in faith, fully persuaded. Christ is my only hope. I need Christ to save me. And so it's the primacy of faith. It's the primacy of faith. When we come back next week, we'll look at the third argument of why Paul brings forth the justification by faith. You understand, folks, that most of the people in our world believe in some form of works of the law? This is relevant. It's really relevant. Most of the people that we are dealing with in, an un, in the unsaved category believe in a works of the law salvation. Flesh loves it. Flesh says, I can talk about what I did. I can talk about my rituals. I can talk about my confirmations. I can talk about my baptisms. But my friend, you understand you can't mix faith and works. These two don't go together. You're going to see that all the more next week when we get into the second half of this chapter. Let's bow in prayer. Thank you for joining us by way of the Internet today. We're so glad that you were able to be with us, and we pray that the service was a blessing to your heart. Even though the sermon is over, our service is not over. At the end of our service, we give an opportunity for people to respond and come to an altar and pray over what God dealt with them about. Sometimes people come to call upon Christ and to be saved. Others come to make a decision for Christ regarding their Christian lives. Others come to call out to the Lord about special needs and situations in their lives. Maybe God has dealt with you today about some specific area of your life I invite you to make an altar right there in your home, a quiet time before the Lord where you pray to Him and respond to Him about what He has spoken to you about. If you made a decision for the Lord today, we would be glad to hear about that decision and or answer any questions you have today about the message that was preached. You can contact us by way of email at info at mountziononline.org or by way of phone at 717 927 9227. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you joining us again for our live stream weekly on Sundays at 1045 a.m. and on Sunday evenings at 645 p.m. If we can meet a need in your life, please do not hesitate to contact us. Thank you, and God bless you. Oh, oh.